It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Anthony Caliendo. He is the author of the best-selling book, The Sales Assassin, Master Your Black Belt in Sales. Anthony, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, how are you, Andy? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. So take a minute, please. Introduce yourself. May tell you. Tell us how you got your start in sales. Well, my name is Anthony Caliendo, and uh, I started sales uh, probably at around 18 years old, believe it or not, in the gym business. Uh, started in Chicago at the Chicago Health Club and sold gym memberships. Had a lot of success. I realized at that time that sales was in my blood. Now, and, how, are you, uh, how are you selling the gym memberships? Are people coming in? Or are you making phone calls? How are you doing that? Well, a little bit of everything. You know, we would, we would basically get leads and people would come in the door and, you know, they would do a lot of advertising back with the Chicago Health Clubs. And then we would go out and market ourselves too. You know, no matter where I was, I was always talking about health and fitness at an early age. Um, at 19 years old, I, I became so good at sales that one of the supervisors approached me and said, you know, you're, you're, you're beating a lot of my talented people and you're, you're so young. I'm going to give you an opportunity to manage a Chicago health club. Now I was 19 at the time. Hmm. So they put, they put me in the worst area you can imagine. If of anybody course. is from Chicago, they put me uh, on 95th Street between Ashland and Western in one of the roughest neighborhoods there is in Chicago. And um, I was able to have unbelievable success uh, taking that gym and turning it around and getting new equipment. Uh, it was a great story. It really was uh, something that propelled me to what I am today, having such a challenge at 19. But you know, I bought my first house at 19 years old. I bought a $72,000 house. Um, those were the days. Those were the days, you know. <laughs> and out of high school, I think my first year, I, I was able to make almost $60,000 a year wow. without a, a college education. Um, and, you know, just built it up from there. You know, became a supervisor, managed many health clubs. Well, then and then you, when I was about, you got the opportunity to go work for the Terminator, the Arnold. I did. I did. What happened was is Chicago health clubs were bought out by Bally. And Bally came in and bought them out. And the vice president of the company, which was really my mentor, um, Al Phillips, he basically, out of all the managers, you know, there was close to 60 managers. Uh, we had over 25 health clubs. Um, and he basically uh, asked me to come with him and join him to build a chain of gyms himself with Arnold Schwarzenegger, <clears throat> who took over the franchise from Joe Gold, and uh, had a lot of success. I mean, I built a, a gym in Chicago on Lakeshore Drive in Montrose, and uh, we were, you know, we, we enrolled more people than we even thought. We enrolled close to 50% more people than we even projected uh, before the gym opened. And uh, it was just an amazing thing, you know, uh, got to meet Arnold, got to go to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic every year. I got to sit at the dinner table with him. Uh, he used to call me Little Man, so that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> well, but, he, uh, he's not real tall himself, though, right? Yeah, but I'm 5'5", five five, so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so there we go, right? <laughs> there you go, you know, so he used to call me Little Man. But, you know, uh, had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I, I was able to... Uh, really stay in a position where I was able to grow each and every year and challenge myself 
to constantly keep growing in sales. You know, I, I built this second gym across from the Mercantile Exchange in Chicago, mm-hmm. right on the Chicago River on Jackson. Right. And uh, it was there I got recruited into Wall Street. You know, uh, basically guys telling me, why are you selling gym memberships? Why don't you come sell stock? So that's how I became a stockbroker next, you know? Interesting. So how'd that transition go for you? That was great. I mean, it was probably the toughest thing that I ever had to accomplish in my life, all the way up to me being 47 right now. It was one of the greatest challenges were at the time I was trying to get this license and transition from one business to the next. Um, to get a Series 7 license and a Series 63, you know, without having the, the college background and the schooling, you know, I, you know, my, my story as a kid, I got out of school from eighth grade to my senior year at 1030. I had work experience. By the time I was 13 years old, I had two or three jobs, you know, making money and washing dishes and, you know, working here and working there. So um, I just didn't have that sit down, take a test. So it took me three times to pass that. I had a lot of uh, challenges because at the time I was kind of running out of money. Um, I was going backwards. My lights were getting shut off. Uh, my car was behind. My house was behind. So, but other you know, than that, I, no pressure. You know, I had a lot of pressure. And the worst part of it was I failed it twice. The third time, if I didn't pass it the third time, I believe I had to wait almost a year in order to take it again. So I knew I had to pass it that third time. And I did. I, I passed it with a 70, exactly what I needed to hit in order to pass the test. And from there, the, the sky was the limit. You know, I was able to get into a, a business and and uh, it was kind of like uh, Bud Fox, you know, in, in the Wall Street. I mm-hmm. just uh, I was so persistent that I just didn't give up and had a lot of fun and uh, traveled and got to meet some great clients and built a good business. And now, and among the many things that you do, you are <laughs> this large importer of Italian cheeses, which I thought is sort of interesting. You know, of all the people I speak with that may have other businesses going on, yours is perhaps the most unique. Well, it is, you know, and I, and I got to that, you know, uh, from the mortgage and real estate business prior to that, the food industry, um, I became very successful in, uh, in the mortgage and real estate business here in Florida. I was the official mortgage company of the Heat, the Dolphins, the Marlins. I was on the radio constantly and built a big brand for myself known as the main man here in South Florida. And, uh, you know, had great success. But by 2007, the banks were, were going faster. They were going down so fast, you know, that I had probably almost 150 employees in five offices in 2007. So I seen that I had to reinvent myself and getting into another industry because it was a sinking ship. And uh, I decided to get in the food industry. You know, it's a, it's a residual business. Um, it was a relationship that I had from my father. And I opened the door and I, I went into, the door was open. I went into the plant and I realized that they had a diamond in the rough. And, uh, this I took is a that plant company. in Italy or a plant here in the United States? No, this is our, our plant in New Jersey. That makes um, Italian cheeses. That, yep, they bring in cheese from all over the world, and they sell it to all the big companies, um, you know, uh, from manufacturers to distributors. And uh, I realized that it was, it was something I don't know if I'd ever see myself being a cheese salesman, you know, but um, I seen the residual side about it and it intrigued me. You know, I, I've always been the one to go outside of the box when it comes to marketing. So I bought the phone number 1-800-BIG-CHEESE. I made a bobblehead of myself like Captain Morgan standing on a wheel of cheese. And um, 
I doubled that company in, in around 30 years. I doubled that company's revenues in five years by myself and, and my, uh, my business manager who uh, has been with me for a while. And uh, I was able to generate more sales in five years than that company did in 30. So what were you doing differently that they hadn't? I branded it. They, they weren't a marketing company, so I was able to go to all the food shows. They never did a food show. I was able to do shows, and I designed the booth, and you know, I put myself out in front of everybody. And even though it was a smaller mom-pop type of company, uh, it had a niche. It had a niche where there's only a handful of companies like this. So I seen that opportunity, and I said, well, I wonder if they ever had somebody like me in the food industry. And then when I realized that a lot of people in the food industry are just kind of laid back and not as aggressive as I was. Uh, I knew it was an opportunity that I would be able to build a great residual income in a short period of time by branding myself, not only nationally, but I've branded the big cheese. That's my phone number, 1-800-BIG-CHEESE. Um, I branded myself not only nationally, but internationally in almost 10 countries. You know, so it's, it was a lot of success. It was something that you kind of fall into. You take a leap of faith, um, but it was a big industry. You know, we produce almost almost 12 billion pounds of cheese in the United States. That's crazy, right? That's a lot of cheese. That's a lot of cheese. And among all you that, know? you're the big cheese. That's, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was able to build a brand for myself, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of success. You know, during that time, you know, uh, I decided I was, I was traveling to many different countries, uh, I always wanted to write a book. It was something that everybody talks about, but not many people do. And uh, I, decided, I started writing the book, and it took me a couple of years to finish it. And then I actually self-published it myself um, and had a lot of great success with this book called The Sales Assassin, Master Your Black Belt in Sales, in right. sales which so, came out last July. Right, so let's talk about it. So sure. where's the title come from? I mean, who, who's being killed in this whole thing? Well, you know, it's kind of, I know it's maybe not the best time with, a, with a, a title called the sales assassin, you know, what's going on in the world today, but it's a, it's a different word. I mean, it's not, it's not the way people would think of an assassin where you're going out and killing somebody, you know, assassin, you know, has, has a lot of traits. They have a certain set of skills if you, um, you know, it, so I, I knew I had these skills and this came from when I was a kid, when I was 19 or 20 back in the health club business. I remember saying to myself, you know, I'm not, somebody says, well, you're just a salesman. And I remember saying as a kid, and this is where the title came from. I remember saying, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a sales assassin. There's salespeople and then there's sales assassins. I'm in a different league. So that title came from when I was a, a 19 year old or 20 year old kid, you know, when I was in the um, health club industry and also at that time studying martial arts. Uh, Kali C. Lot, um, you know, Kung Fu, you know, and different arts that I was involved with when I was young. You know, so that's where that title came from. So do you still practice martial arts? Uh, I still do. I practice from time to time, not as aggressively as I used to. You know, I was a kickboxer. Um, you know, I had my nose broke about six times. So uh, um, I, I, I was young and I was aggressive. And, you know, uh, I grew up in a rough area. So going into a ring and, you know, competing one-on-one, -on -one, you know, to me was allowed me to, let's just say, not hang around the wrong people and get in trouble. Sure. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, you know. Competitive right, so you, sports are amazing. Yeah. So in the book, you've got this uh, 
don't know, as I sort of a unique trinity of of sales success traits that that you don't oftentimes read about in in sales. I mean, one is passion, right? I mean, it's so funny is is especially in business to business spaces is rarely do you talk <laughs> do you hear people talk about the passion for what they're selling, the passion for the job. It's you know, it's a job they may be really excited about, it, but but passion doesn't really pay into it. So. Tell us about passion, how that plays a role well, in success. You know, I, I have eight kids, five boys and three girls. So in life, you know, not having a father and growing up with a mother that raised three kids in a tough neighborhood and had it really hard, I always realized that if I wanted to, you know, go out there and be successful at anything I did, I had to have that drive and that passion. That passion was kind of in my blood. It, it's what, what drove me to wake up every single day and strive to be excellent. And no matter what I did, you know, whether I was washing dishes at 13 years old or cutting yards, no matter what I did, I always had an enormous amount of passion of what I put into anything. So I constantly kept that up, realizing that that was one of my key traits, one of my successes in life was going to be my ability to be so passionate about what I do. And sometimes in sales, you don't have to try to sell something when it comes out of your pores and the buyer on that other side feels that there's so much excitement coming out of you that you really don't have to sell it. That's if you love what you do. So it's and an it, well, old and, saying. And the point know, being, it's, it's, not, it's not so much, and I think this is an interesting point for the audience to understand, is that, it's not so much about passion for what you sell as much as you're saying passion for selling, passion for the, the act of what you're doing. Well, it's important to, you know, a little bit of both. You know, you, you have to believe in what you're doing and also in what you're selling. But you have to have passion that's got to come from inside you before it can come out about your product or your service. You know, you have to be able to believe in yourself and have enough passion inside of you that people feel it. You know, it was a great story one day. One of my kids, one of my eight kids, Stephen, he came home, and I'm not a technical guy. You know, all these millennials <laughs> I think are we now. discovered that. <laughs> he, yeah, we discovered that. And he came up to me, and he started telling me about why I should buy an Apple and, you know, not have Mike Dell. And he, he started talking to me and selling me on all the unbelievable, you know, features of this Apple computer. And I looked at him when he was done, and I said, Stephen – so I just want you to know, that's what selling is all about. Even if you're not in sales, okay, everybody in my mind somehow, some way is in sales, no matter oh, yeah, what absolutely. you do. Right. So you're always in sales somehow, some way. But at that moment, I realized that he could probably quit his job and go work for Apple and probably sell more computers than anybody else because it was just coming out of him, the excitement about all these features and this exciting new things about this computer. It was amazing just to sit back and to listen. And that's what I do when I'm out. And I've trained thousands of salespeople, not hundreds, thousands of salespeople. And I've learned from a lot of them. And I always know the ones that are going to become the greatest and the ones that are going to make the best and get to the top have that certain inner passion or inner passion that's in them. And that's what this book is about. You know, you know, the first chapter what is passion, dedication, and courage? I call it PDC. I say it's the holy trinity of success, not only in sales, but also in life. So passion, dedication, and courage is what gets us to that level that we all want to be at. The question is, 
Do you have it inside of you? And can you keep it constantly growing year after year after year um, to be able to stay in your business and constantly have success? Because once you lose that passion and that dedication and that courage to get ahead um, and to go outside of the box, I don't think you'll find somebody that becomes successful without it. Well, let's talk about courage because, I mean, this is a word that's that's thrown around pretty lightly, right? I mean, we know that courage, certainly people that are, you know, war fighters for in our armies, our militaries, I mean, certainly courage there to go put themselves on the, the line every day, you know, pub, people defend public safety. But where does it come in in, in sales? Well, I'm not, it's not only in sales. It's in any business or anything that we do in life where we all want to accomplish something. We want to be great at what we do. I believe most people want to become successful no matter what they do. They want to become the best. They want to strive for excellence. So where does that courage, where does courage come from? You know, everybody, you know, there's a lot of people that don't take the risks in life because they're afraid of failure. But I always tell people, you have to have 20 seconds of insane courage every day every minute, all day long, and you have to do what other people aren't willing to do. You know, there's a saying I have about courage. If you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. So let me say that again. If you mm-hmm. always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. So what does that mean? That means unless you actually have some courage to do something different and take that leap of faith and sometimes a little bit of risk, kind of like I did in the food industry, Okay, did I know I was going to become successful and become the number one Italian cheese, big cheese salesman in the world? Probably not. I didn't realize that in the beginning, but I had the courage that if I was going to start it and I was going to do it, I was going to become the best at it. And it didn't happen overnight. And there was failures in the beginning where, you know, I realized that the sales cycle took so much longer than what I was used to. Sometimes my sales cycle was taking six months to a year to sure. a year and a half. But I had to have that courage to stay in the game, you know, to not quit, to not give up. You know, so that's that's really what people need. They need that courage and they have to realize that failure and success, they go hand in hand. You can't have great success without having some failures. And unless you're willing to fail, in my opinion, most people aren't going to succeed in life. So the courage, really, if we were to sum it up in a way for people to really conceptualize, say, look, I have the courage to fail, courage to take a risk. There's no doubt about it. And I, I, I motivate people all the time, you know, um, even some of the people that I mentor that I'm doing right now into my own businesses – you know, unless they're willing to take a leap of faith and have some courage and realize it is okay to fail. I'm not afraid to say on your show right now, I failed many times. Oh, me too. But without those failures, you know, without those failures and without having those life lessons of failures, you know, would I really succeed in what I wanted to do for the rest of my life? I believe those failures made me stronger. They made me who I am today. And I'm not afraid to go into anything and fail because failures sometimes just part of the game, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's, let's talk about some of the additional, your nine belts of sales assassin mastery, which has some good points in that, that one I liked was you're talking about mental preparedness development. And, um, again, it's, it's sort of a personal bias of mine in favor of that. So 
you talk about being prepared to learn how to learn and releasing blockages. So what, what did you mean by that? And what, how do people prepare themselves to learn how to learn? Mm, that's a, that's, that's, I, I enjoy this chapter a lot because, you know, being prepared is really how a lot of people become successful. The problem is some people aren't willing to do and try and, and, and take in new things. So let me sum it up by saying, well, I'm in Florida right now. So let me, let me tell you something that I think might sum it up. Sales is kind of like alligator-filled swamps, right? That <laughs> we basically go through these swamps, you know, trying to not get eaten up by the alligators, right? You, That's you the choose object. to live there, by the way. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> okay. we try to not get eaten by alligators in sales, right? But sometimes you have to know how to navigate through those swamps in order to not get eaten. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that you have to take in, in sales, or in really any business, you have to be able to open up to new concepts and new ideas so you know how to navigate through those swamps so you don't get eaten by those alligators. If you're not taking in new concepts and new ideas, not on a daily basis, I mean, you have to do it all the time. It's not something that you wake up and say, okay, I'm going to read a book about sales today, or I'm going to go about and maybe do a motivational meeting you know, or go to a sales meeting. The ones that become great, they constantly train their mind. They prepare their mind for what's going to happen you know, when they're going into that sales meeting and that buyer goes ahead and, and, and hits them with something that he, he doesn't know how to come back and react. They have to actually train themselves to prepare for all kinds of new concepts and ideas in order to be successful. So when that moment comes, when you have to navigate through, you know, the alligator-filled swamps, you're on it, okay? You know exactly what to say, how to say it, because you took the time to prepare yourself and prepare your mind for right. what it takes to become successful. All right. So in this mental preparation, you have five steps you list. And one, you talk about mind conditioning. So what did you mean by mind conditioning? Well, mind conditioning is what I'm telling you. You have to condition your mind to take in ideas and concepts. And, and, and most people, they have these mental blocks where they, they just can't accept new things. They just don't go out there and can, and, and constantly condition their mind. It's kind of like training. You know, if you're uh, well, isn't, you're it, isn't running, some of it tied to, to physical conditioning and to some degree? Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I believe, you know, that if you mentally take care of yourself and you mentally condition your mind, okay, and I'm going to get into that with like an athlete, that's where I was going next, you know, so that if you constantly, you know, are training all the time, not conditioning yourself, if you're a runner and you're not stretching and automatically you want to go start running a 200 or 400 meter run and you're not stretching, you're going to wind up getting a cramp. You know, so you have to basically constantly condition your mind to become successful. Well, you tell your mind, you know, that you're going to be successful. You're conditioning it, you know, to get to that point where you feel like you're getting yourself ahead. But most people don't take time to condition their mind and they don't take time to condition their body too. You know, I believe physical, you know, if you, if you take care of yourself and you put things in your body, you know, that helps you also. And it helps you, helps your mind become stronger as well. You have to know how to eat, right? You have to know how to exercise. Um, and if you're, if you're going to condition your mind, you might as well condition your body to help it. And you then talk about visualization, which I, I'm a huge believer in visualization and sales. So you're getting into a situation, uh, you know, sales situation on a call, you got a important meeting a negotiation, 
take a few minutes and just sort of visualize, close your eyes, visualize what, what you think will happen. You know, that's, that's always been something that I've always enjoyed in my life. I, I've enjoyed to, you know, just like you said, close my eyes and, and, and see the target and see what I need to do, you know, to be able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish out of life, you know, not only in sales, but in life. Visualization, I believe, is, is very important. You know, when a, when a person gets up and they want to go hit a baseball and they're in the game and they know there's two outs right now, you know, the bases are loaded and they're down right now. They visualize themselves hitting that grand slam. They actually, they see it, you know, and I believe visual, you know, visualizing that in sales is no different than visualizing that whether you're in sports or whether you're in boxing or, you know, whatever, whether you're golfing, it really doesn't matter. You have to see yourself being successful, see yourself going into that meeting, you know, and knowing that you're, you're standing out in a crowd, you know, um, so visualization is very important, you know, for belief. And then you talk about developing mental trust. So what, what do you mean by mental trust? Is that just a faith in your own abilities? Yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to trust yourself. You gotta be able to trust your abilities to go out there and do what you practiced. You know, if you don't trust within yourself and you don't believe in yourself, I mean, how do you really think about that? You know, if you don't trust in yourself, how do people trust in you? How do they believe in you if you really don't have that belief? I mean, I've sat with many people that have tried to sell me things, um, and I can pretty much right away, I can tell whether they have some belief and trust in them by the way they're speaking and the way they're talking and how they're, how they're presenting it, I could feel it right away. So I always want to, I always want to work with somebody that has that trust in themselves, that they believe in what they're doing. They believe in their product. They believe in their in their service. Um, but more importantly, they also believe in themselves. Yeah. Well, as you said, it's, I think, People in general, we're we're very perceptive uh, if we're paying attention at all of, of the way <laughs> of, the, of other people, right? As you said, you've been on the receiving end of sales calls. You you understand when someone yeah isn't really in the game the way they need to be in the game. And believe me, prospects, customers, they all feel it. So you have to you have to be it. committed. It's an emotion. I mean, you know, you know, this is this book was written completely. For the emotional side, what I call the inner sales journey, okay? I take you on an inner sales journey, you know, a path, you know, to becoming successful, not from the outside in, from the inside out. What do I mean by that? Anybody could teach you how to sell a product or service, but how many great companies out there or even great teachers or mentors, because I believe it's never the student, it's always the teacher. How many of them? actually spend time teaching you how to be great from the inside out. You know, what it takes where people can feel that. You know, when I go into a room or I'm doing a speaking convention or a sales seminar, they can feel it coming out of me, you know, and, and that's what people want. They want to feel that passion and that excitement and that belief. You know, they don't want to be sold. This isn't the 70s and the 80s, you know, where it's ABC always be closing. People want some. They want somebody sincere. They want to have belief that what they're selling them and what they're telling them, you know, is the truth. So when you're selling, you're really selling yourself. You're sell, you're selling that belief in 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 yourself. And I think that's the most important thing nowadays. People really want to know. 
You know, they want to know about your product and service, but they want to know that you believe in that product and service, you know, as much as you're selling it. And it's very important. Got it. Good point. Uh, in this segment of the show, last segment, I posed some standard questions to all my guests, Anthony. And the first one's a hypothetical scenario that uh, in the scenario, you, Anthony, have just been hired as the VP of sales at a company whose sales have sort of stalled out. Not perhaps not unlike the the cheese company, and mm-hmm. uh, the CEO is anxious to get sales unstuck and back on track. And you know you've got to start your sales turnaround somewhere. So, what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Well, I mean, the first thing that I would do is take a look at how they're marketing the product based on pricing and 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 who you're competing with out there. You know, there's a reason why sales start to slump. Okay, so you have to really know your market and understand exactly how to sell your product. See, you can be great at selling your product, but you also got to be great at marketing your product, marketing your product. The second thing that I would focus on would be who's the leaders. Okay, the the the, the problem sometimes in sales and especially with corporations. I've always seen, you know, that sometimes they can have a great product, a great service, a great price. They can have everything right there, but the problem is they don't have the right leaders. And without the right, the right leaders, sales forces always go backwards. See, salespeople are the ones that are in the trenches. We're the front line. And I always say that to every corporation that I go to. As much as there's a lot of people that are important in the organization that succeed, okay, and, and you have to have the back end, you have to have the front end, you have to have the product, but sales is what makes everything move. Without somebody going out there, and selling the product without somebody hitting the street and being in the trenches to grow that business. It'll always go backwards. I've seen many companies over my years in sales that had great concepts, great products, and and they really should have blown up as a company. The problem is sometimes it starts from the top down. Mm -hmm. The CEO and the people at the top have to realize the most important thing in that company is when they got that product and they, they, they got everything right, okay, they have to find the right leaders. It's the leaders that make companies. You know, companies sometimes don't make leaders, and that's always a problem that I've seen in the industry, that you have to have somebody, I would call them the ultimate sales assassin. That one individual or several individuals who are constantly motivating and training and not only speaking about it, but actually going out and doing it themselves. Many corporations, Andy, you know, they have sales directors and, and sales managers. Okay, they have all these titles. But the people have to be able to respect those people. And, and, and the salespeople, they want leaders. They want to follow. Okay, they want somebody who can motivate them to go out there and build that business to become successful so they can generate those revenues and those commissions. And without those proper leaders you'll find companies will always go backwards, no matter how good their product is or how good their service is or how good their pricing is. They'll always go backwards without finding great leaders. Okay. Look good. Good, good, good. Good answer. Um, so now we've got some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. The first one is when you, Anthony, are out selling your products or services, when you personally are selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Oh, I would say probably the most important. If you're not remembered, then you're forgotten. So you're. So you have to, you you have to put have a lasting impression about yourself. 
because not every time are you going to actually sell the deal immediately. Okay. So you have to be remembered. You know, and I always say that if you're not remembered, you're forgotten. So mm -hmm. if you leave that, if you leave that meeting, okay, what what is it that made that person want to call you back or follow back up with you? So when you do that follow up, they take your call. You know, they engage with you to try to get the sale. You see, I believe there's two words, and this is this is a I guess I'm gonna use this too, you know, not only as far as getting people to remember you, but I believe these two words, silent and listen are the most important two words that you're going to have in your sales arsenal. Because if you look at this word silent and listen, did you notice that they're both spelled with the same letters, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, to, you have to know when sometimes how to shut up and listen to be able to load your gun, to be able to have all that ammunition. So it's, it's very important people do that as well. They have to know how to be silent and they have to know how to listen. Very important. Okay. Who's your sales role model? My sales role model, well, I would have to be my mentor when I was a young kid who kind of molded me to what I am today, Al Phillips, who was probably the toughest person that you could ever imagine. I mean, he was, he was so tough that he actually, you were feared not to have results. And I know maybe that's not the greatest thing to say, but, you know, when I got on that conference call at 19 years old, 18 years old, and they would ask me what my numbers were at the end of the night, mm -hmm. I was afraid not to have good numbers because he would tell me he was an English guy. And he'd tell me, you know, why don't you just shut the door and throw away the keys because we can't pay the bills. OK, you stink. You suck. You know, and, and I know that's not the way you should train people, but I'll tell you what. That training. And, and, and that fear of not being successful and not being able to give him the answers that I wanted, the results that I know he was looking for, is what motivated me from when I was 18 or 19 years old and still motivates me. The fire is still burning today at 47 years old, just like it was when I was 18, because I know there's a lot of accountability for me, you know, and I still have that same fear of not succeeding and not being able to get the results that I want for myself. Sure. So uh, it was a. So I'd have to say Al Phillips, Al Phillips. was my right. mentor. Al Phillips. So other than your own book, what's one book every salesperson should read? Well, there's a lot of books out there. You know, Brian Tracy's book. Well, you, get, you, know, you get one. Uh, you get one. Huh? You get one. One choice. Uh, I, I get one choice. So let me think. What uh, what book that I would say? Um, I would have to go back to when I was younger, even probably before little Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar. I'm trying to remember the, the title on that book. I'll, I'll do that in a second. But it was definitely one of Zig Ziglar's books. All right. One of Zig Ziglar's. All right. So last question for you is what music's on your playlist these days? Uh, I'm an Andre Pacelli guy. Oh, so okay. I, yeah, yeah. I like Andre Pacelli. It calms me down. It relaxes me. Uh, I, I enjoy the music. Um, so uh, one, of, one of my best, you know? Excellent. All right. Well, good. Well, Anthony, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Tell folks how they can find out some more about you. Well, you can go to the salesassassin.com. You know, but if you really want to get a lot of my motivational quotes and a lot of my concepts and ideas every day, you know, we put these out every day. So you can go on to my LinkedIn, my Facebook, or my Twitter and mm -hmm. follow me every day. Uh, and you'll get a lot of great results from that as well. All right. Good. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success 
And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you're listening on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Anthony Caliendo, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.